Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to another Ask Lindsay episode of the podcast. I want to start this episode by saying that enrollment is officially open for my newest offering, Nourishing the Wild Heart, um, a radical exploration of the sweet cards of the tarot. And if you want, you can sign up for that. Material will be ready for automatic download. Um, We were in pre-enrollment, hence no material, but now it's ready. So if you'd like to engage in this really beautiful and very powerful reclamation of these cards and of the medicine they unfold and offer in your life, you can go to lindsaymack.com slash nourishing the wild heart. Um, You can also click on the link at the bottom of the show notes for this podcast, or you can just go on to my website and go to courses and classes and you'll see it. Um, It's about four hours of material and it really dives into 11 cards that hold a lot of sweetness and the offering really talks about how to engage in that sweetness and it'll be open until June 13th. So you have about a month before uh, it goes back into the vault. So uh, if you'd like to sign up for that, it's there for you. And uh, I'm very excited by this one. It was, um, it's a new journey in my life for sure. <laughs> uh, the good things rather than the hard things. And uh, it felt like a real gift to get to share the medicine that came through. All right, so I'm going to start with your questions and go through one by one. Bridget asks, I mostly read for myself and my closest friends. Most of the time the cards resonate and feel like they're for sure answering my question or responding to what's going on. Sometimes they seem like they're not, but I wonder if those times I feel like they're not but I wonder if those times I feel like they're not is just me not wanting to hear what they're saying. Is it possible to sometimes not get an answer? Or, as I sort of suspect, is any interaction with our DAC medicine to be taken or left? Bridget, this is a really good question. I think it's the latter. Uh, Think being the operative word. (laughs) Because I feel like I'm truly just still learning like you. Um, The tarot is always surprising me. But I, I think it's the latter. I think that no matter what, we are offered a gift at the altar every time we engage with our deck, and we can either take it or leave it, we're ready for it or not, or we understand it or we don't. Um, And the beautiful thing about having a tarot practice is that there really is no timeline and there's no uh, hierarchical structure. So we don't get to the point where we have a master's degree and we should know, like we're always learning and if we continue to return to the practice, the more um, deep and rich and um, fluent we'll become, you know, the more deep and rich our relationship will become, the more fluent we'll become. But I want to speak to the fact that sometimes we do pull cards where we cannot immediately make sense of what they are speaking to with regard to the question. And that is pretty normal. I don't know that I've ever had an experience where the deck has just not answered me, but it does feel like if I have gone through times in my life as a reader where I just haven't understood what the context was. And so There is a practice for that where if you pull a card, you don't really understand it or you can't understand the context with which it came up for you. You really can just sit with it and you can return to teachings or material that resonate with you. It's such a cool opportunity to kind of learn about how a card can come up in a scenario that we hadn't thought that it would. Um, Because sometimes when we pull cards and we go, what the hell does this mean? Then it actually is a card like showing another side of its tail feathers to us that we've just never seen before. You know, if we're only ever expecting to see the chariot in moments where we're kind of like close to a finish line and then it comes up around, um, a, let's just say like a, a, a romantic relationship or something, we can, in we can, initially be a little thrown and we can think like, I wonder if I pulled wrong or I, I don't get it. But if we go deeper into the Cancerian nature of the chariot and how a lot of the chariot is about 
reaching a kind of a milestone and then shedding the crab shell so that we are really connected to the tenderness that lies underneath, um, we can kind of make some different contexts. So I feel like what you're talking about is so, so normal and happens to everyone. But I do think that it is a cool opportunity to learn and um, get more acquainted with the deck. Like I think those opportunities are really cool because even if we think we know everything about the tarot, which I'm certainly not saying you do, um, I'm positive that you're a humble student, just like all of us, but, um, it is just a really cool way to be like, Oh my God, I don't get it. Let me see if there's something about this I might've missed. And I'm a geek. So I like that stuff. Um, but I don't think it doesn't ever just not answer us. I just don't think it maybe makes sense in the context of what we're talking about. And I do think the tarot is really meta. So I think that if we're thirsty and we go to our deck and we say, or dehydrated, and we say, what do I most need to know about my job? We might get queen of pentacles, not for the question, but for the hydration. So that's also something to consider that could help patch the gap there that sometimes you always have to look if you don't quite understand why a card came up. Like, is there actually something like right now that I need that I'm not offering to myself that I bypass to ask this question? Not saying that there is, but sometimes there is. Anne asks, about three months ago, someone passed through my life for less than 24 hours. I haven't stopped thinking about the way I felt around him because it felt bigger than something I usually feel for a stranger. It does feel like someone I've known and loved in a past life and that there's some unfinished something for me to process. I don't have a relationship with this person in this life, nor am I interested in that. However, I want more clarity about what our connection was and is and what happened between us. I feel like I'm being asked to reflect on something I can't see. Can you have any guidance on how to use tarot for clarity here? And I have been here so many times. I cannot even tell you, um, believe it or not. Uh, I am positive that it is a past life connection. Um, because that's pretty much the telltale sign when there's such a longing, but it's an echo, it's a memory, and it's not in any way connected to like the evidence of the moment. Um, and honestly, I think we all go through some experiences where we meet some people and we just think, oh, remember me? And they're like, hi, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Um, so I, I really want to affirm you that it's, it's totally past life stuff. Um, how can you use the tarot? So the lover's card is a kind of a holy mirror of the tarot in which we're taught very specifically to reclaim a part, a lost part of ourselves from something in life, some external in life that is mirroring that part back to us through their beauty, their sensuality, or just the loveliness of whatever, you know, like if we, um, like I've done lovers work on children where, um, I have such a deep bond and this was pre tarot practice, but there have been times in my life when either through a bond or a child in my family, a very big family, um, where I would have this like super intense, all consuming love and bond for a baby in my family where like, all I wanted to do was see them. All I wanted to do was hold them. And it felt like they were kind of like my baby, but really what it was is little Lynn's abused lens, <laughs> seeing a part of the preciousness of her child self in this child, and also just like loving my little cousins. Um, but sometimes we do form bonds with children that do, you know, just something strikes us in our heart and it's completely innocent and beautiful, but it can feel very intense and all consuming because that child is not just being their magical selves, but it's also definitely a part of our child selves that maybe we shamed away or that we are getting a mirror of that is not just about loving 
this little person and cherishing this little person and the sweetness of the bond that we feel for them because children are the same as any other person and we have big connections with some people and with others we don't. Um, But there is really something in here too about us. And anytime we have a real intense bond um, with somebody who's not a part of our everyday lives, that, and especially somebody who we don't even know, um, like a stranger in your situation, that's all past life work, but it's also lover's card work. And I'm hearing and feeling a little bit of that in your story, that this stranger brought something back to you. And that is where past life lovers work, like past life love work and lovers work (laughs) intersect with each other. Um, and I mentioned the, the example of the child, because sometimes we can have a relationship with someone in our lives and be so struck down by the, by like the uniqueness and the intensity of the love that we feel, not just for any child, but one particular child or a friend or something. And sometimes that is lover's card work too, that that child, that person, a place, a sunset, whatever you want to say, is just bringing something back to us that we lost. So I would start by creating your own retrieval spread, which I'm making up on the spot because it feels right. And starting with the lovers, like at the top of that spread and doing work, like having your cards that you pull kind of trickle down from the lovers. Um, in other words, like having the lovers on like kind of a pyramid or whatever shape resonates with you. But I would start with that. And I would, you know, obviously we don't want to read around anyone without their consent. So you're just asking about what this person is, is bringing back to you. And I think you can ask, you know, um, what was the significance of this person coming back into my life? Again, we're not necessarily tuning in about them, but about what they brought for us, which is perfectly ethical and the idea. Um, and then we can say, you know, what is, uh, the lost, what is the mirror that this person is holding up to me? And then we can say, um, where, what lesson did this person have to bring to me? You know, what, how did we engage in a past life? Whatever it is. Um, you can sort of, my keys for making up a spread are need and effectiveness. So you've got to really need the answer to the question. And the question has to be plain, English enough to really get you a response. Some people like either make their questions to, um, not everybody, but there is a tendency sometimes to make questions either too esoteric, uh, and a little bit more beautiful than maybe the situation calls for when we just need to have a question answered. So, just kind of plainness of question, like clarity of question and need of question. Like, what do you really want to know? And then I would also say like having the gift to go back into past lives is, I feel like pretty unique, which doesn't mean that people can't do it. I feel like you can do it. I've done it with my own past lives, uh, too. Um, but I do think that, um, it could be powerful for you to seek someone out who does this work. And I would say my, the person in my mind for you is Shannon O'Neill Loyola, um, who is one of the most magnificently gifted mediums and Akashic record readers on the planet. She's so accurate. It's frightening. She's also a super good friend of mine and a really sweet person. And she works online And this feels, she will never read for another person, but I think you can explain to her this phenomena and express your intention to retrieve whatever uh, fire, light, this person brought up in you. And I also want to say, and you can, uh, her business name is Radical Reiki. So if you Google her, you'll find that. And I also want to say in conclusion, Anne, that it's very normal for the brain to like do around someone what your brain is doing. Like even when someone, we don't know them, it's, 
completely not in this lifetime. The brain has, has a pretty limited amount of file folders and it really puts, it puts a lot of things in, I'm in love that aren't in, you know, that folder. So, um, I mentioned that you seem to like completely know what this is, but I mention this because sometimes we can really feel like, well, why can't I stop thinking about this person? Like, what the fuck? And that's why, because the brain is like, oh, this is someone we love. This is like these feelings, you know, and, um, sometimes there can be like cross wiring in the brain and, and it's, and it's perfect. And we can also talk to the brain and be like, boo, you know, we don't even know this gentleman and they're a stranger but it was a brush with something that we've known before. And so we can check in about that love, not necessarily about this man. Um, And that is, it solves some of the, again, like kind of integrity dilemmas about doing past life work around someone that you really feel has traveled in a past life with you because you're just doing work. You're not doing work around the human that they are in this lifetime. You're doing work around the essence that they held in the last one, the vessel that they were in the last one. So it sort of doesn't call upon or involve their, their higher self or inner self at all. Um, hopefully that helps. I I love it. I'm into this work. Um, but I'd say, yeah, make up your own spread. Like, what do you most want to know about this person? Some of the prompts I offered you are good. And I would use the lovers as an anchor because it can help you retrieve the lost pieces. Emma asks, I'm going through my Saturn return, rough and raw. I see you. I hear you. I am. This is Lindsay talking. Um, my Saturn return was horrific. So I see you. Solidarity. And I'm a doula slash student midwife. I'm feeling super called to branch out into more of the intuitive arts and begin reading tarot. I wanted to ask you what deck you might recommend for beginners and also what your thoughts are on reading yourself. I heard you aren't supposed to. What's your take on that? So Emma, I'm so glad that you asked this. There is absolutely no uh, supposed tos in tarot. I promise you. There's totally no rules. If someone tells you there's a rule, they're probably full of shit or they learn from someone who is full of shit sorry, that's the T. It's the truth. Um, we've got to think logically about this and, uh, reading for yourself is literally one of the most life-saving, eye-opening, transformative, empowering, self-sovereign things you can do for yourself. So please do not eliminate that part of the relationship with your deck. It's really one of the only ways you'll learn and get really intimate with your, with your deck. Um, and, I just want to take this moment for anyone who is listening that it's not to say that there is no um, kind of tenets or principles of tarot. Um, For example, ideally not reading for another person without their permission. Like I wouldn't say that's a rule, but I would say it's a very important tenant to live by. Me saying that um, in soul tarot, there is no... um, there is not necessarily, we're not reading for a future. That's a tenant. It's not a rule. Anyone can read for the future if they want to. I just don't. And I don't really think in my personal opinion that the tarot necessarily automatically operates that way. Although I think it can be used that way. Part of the reason why in soul tarot, we talk about, um, that there really is no future. There's just the present and the present is what we're reading for is because it's the truth. The present is all there is. And so if we're using tarot in this capacity, in the way that it really makes sense to me and in the way it makes sense to teach it, um, there's a lot less panic about interpretation because we're reading for right now. There's no need to guess at what will be. So um, tenants are good, but rules like you have to steal your tarot deck or like you have to... um, you know, you can't read for yourself or I, I just saying this for you and for anyone else reading to this, that it's really important to let go of those because they're really just kind of like old school, but it's good that you asked. You weren't supposed to know that I'm just passionate about people self-empowering around tarot. And so if you're sensing that heat, that's where it's coming from. Um, so Emma also, I don't have And I wanted to take this opportunity to basically tell you, I don't know. (laughs) I don't have a recommendation for a deck for you for beginners because uh, 
What I do have, though, is a recommendation for you to go out and treat the finding of your deck as reverently as you would meeting a lost magical friend that you're going to travel in and out of realms with, like literally getting your wand in the Harry Potter books. Um, It's a very powerful decision to start reading tarot. You can do it casually and you can do it very seriously. Um, but you don't want to do it unless you're really allied with a tool that you feel like sings in your hand. So I would say, I don't know where you live, but I would say start this process by looking into the Instagram indie deck review Um, They're amazing and they do lots of reviews of indie decks that you may not have heard of and see. Um, Basically, you're looking for connection to imagery. um, uh, Like you're looking for that sense of thrill that you would want in like a a kind of a spark. Um, Start looking at decks that are not as popular and not as sort of well known. And also just Googling tarot and I really am being quite sincere for you to Google tarot and like, um, decks and, and see what comes up for you. Um, and just seeing what you resonate with. And if you live in an area where there is a local metaphysical or witchcraft shop near you in New York city, we have enchantments, we have, um, um, the bookstore on 14th street. That's I'm having a brain fart right now. Um, mystical something, I think, uh, doesn't matter. Um, but we, uh, cat, uh, Catland we have in Brooklyn, uh, Maha Rose, there are a couple different metaphysical healing, holistic places, witchcraft shops in New York that if you wanted to kind of like touch a deck, feel a deck, look at the imagery with your own eyes, you can do that. Believe it or not, Barnes and Noble is kind of a good resource for some more popular decks. So you might want to look at that. Um, and above all, I would say, um, avoid the guidebook. If it, if you decide to get a Smith Rider weight or an Aquarian, um, tarot or something like that, uh, it's important to, if you're getting a more recent tarot deck, chances are that it's, um, probably written with a more robust guidebook. Um, the, I don't know why, maybe, maybe this is an intuition for you, um, Emma, but I'm feeling called to tell you about the Mesquite Tarot, um, which is really lovely and, uh, pretty non-traditional. The images are very soft and very simple, um, but beautiful. And it comes with a really lovely guidebook and it's definitely an indie deck and the creator is pretty amazing. And, uh, I don't know, you might want to look at that one, um, because it can be really nice to learn on a deck that is a little bit less traditional, especially if we are in the midst of a hard time. We, You may want to connect with a deck that is a little bit softer and sweeter, and then you can circle out and learn like Rider Waite or Visconti or Marseille Tarot, like old school tarot theory. You may want to weave that back into your practice. Um, I would say just roll with something that makes you feel really good. And what are the principles that really matter to you? Do you consider yourself a feminist? Are you, um, do you want a deck? Um, you know, if, if you are somebody who is, um, wants to really see yourself represented in the deck, AKA, if you are not like a white able-bodied person and you really, and even if you are, if you want representation of you and representation of many bodies, if you want no bodies, um, starting to think about what that looks like. If you could, if you want no bodies, you might want to look at the way home tarot, which is being created by Bakara Wintner, my dear friend, and is not out yet, but will be out yet. And I don't think there are any people other than her, mm, her court cards have people. Um, but wild unknown is all animals and plants. Um, there are more decks like that that are way deeper in. And that's why I recommend, uh, indie deck review because it is a wonderful resource to find what you're looking for. Um, and way more, um, indie, indie, obviously independent decks that don't have, um, 
you know, that you may not have ever heard of. So that's my long answer to that. And hopefully it helps. And please read for yourself. Please, everyone, read for yourself. Porter asks, Hi, Lindsay. I've been studying the tarot for a little less than two years. I have a regular practice of pulling one card a few times a week week as both guidance for my day and practice in learning my deck. But for the last month or so, it seems like 75% of the cards are coming up reversed. I did spend a little while just learning the cards upright. And I know that that's a practice that some people engage in full time, but I do personally feel like reversals can make a reading more precise. So I don't want to flip cards upright if I'm trying to work with reversals, but it's gotten kind of crazy lately getting a reversal after reversal after reversal and solo draws and doing multi-card spreads with a majority of the cards reversed. Shuffling wise, I do a casino shuffle and we'll turn one half the deck around and mix up uprights and reversals. I've even had a friend joke to just turn my deck around before I pull a card. Have you heard of this happening? Do you think it's just a weird phase in my relationship with my deck? Should I flat out ask my deck what the fuck is up? Love the podcast and looking forward to any insider commiseration. LOL with love from DC Porter. Oh, this is such a good question. I have heard of this happening. This has happened to me and I have not enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I mean, it's fine. It's great. Reversals aren't a problem, you know. Um, but uh, that's so hilarious about like turning your deck around before you pull a card. I, I've totally thought of that too. Um, I think it's a phase in your, I don't think it's a weird phase, but I do think it is a the season you're in, in your evolution, that you're doing a lot of work on the infinity loop rather than the straight line, because infinity looping is kind of what reversals do. They start with us, they go out and then they come back in. So I think that that's really beautiful. And also, you know, you may practice like this, but for me, um, reversals are sometimes really good news. And um, like any five reversed is usually really good news. And a four reversed is usually really nice. And um, devil reversed, tower reversed, like these are all kind of like great things to see. So I'm also curious about the kind of reversals you're getting and what the cards are. And um, sorry for the sirens, everyone, this great city that I live in. I'm curious about the reversals that you're getting. And I would invite you to look more closely at what they are. I'm sure you're doing that. Um, because sometimes reversals are kind of like dog days are over. Sometimes they speak to this overwhelming loosening of an old paradigm that we've been in and it can create immense ease and grace in our lives. Sometimes I, I'm just so great. Like I actually don't read with reversals right now. It's just so funny, but that's just where I am in my practice. Um, I'm very comfortable with reversals, but choose not to work with them right now. And, uh, the other day I was doing a reading and one card came up reversed and I was like, Oh, and like, it was so significant to me because I don't work with my cards reversed anymore. And it was a good one. It was a five reversed and it was so helpful to see it. Um, I really needed to see it actually. And divine sort of hooked me up with that. So I don't think reversals are ever random. I think that they're very on the nose and they're, and they're, um, very on point even when they kind of flip around in your deck without you even being aware of it. Um, but yeah, I think that it's a powerful time of you going deeper into yourself because that's what reversals do. They add flavor and context and complexity to any reading that they're a part of. And I also think that they bring maybe bringing some really beautiful messaging to you about there being more space in your life rather than there being um, more shit to work on. It could just be that like pff, the doors are opening. So I would say maybe follow up with me and tell me some of the reversals that you've been getting. Maybe it's a whole litany. Maybe there are a couple repeats, um, but you can email. Um, um, you can go back if you want to and share in the Ask Lindsay box and just update us and let us know because that will speak to a little bit of what I think I might have to say to go further with that. And hell yeah, ask your deck what the fuck is up. <laughs> ask it and say like, what's the medicine of all these reversals? What am I being invited to learn from this? And see what you get. Bailey asks, for over a year I've been in a funk. I'm in my late 20s and stuck in a job where I'm underpaid and there's no room for growth. 
This morning I asked my deck what the next step for me career-wise is, and I pulled the moon. I know this card is all about surrendering to the unknown and trusting that the path will be revealed to me, but my anxiety is pushing me to constantly be on the lookout for better opportunities and be in planning mode for a possible move. Is there a way to balance the stillness of surrender while being proactive at the same time? When I've asked a similar question about finding passion in a career, I've pulled the hermit reversed, and I just don't know how to shift that into a relaxed space of trusting the universe. Bailey, I'm going to be real with you. I am coming out of something similar myself where the this moment does not feel exactly like the right thing, even though for me personally, my experience right now, there's nothing wrong, but kind of an aspect of my personal life doesn't feel right anymore. It's like I've outgrown a shoe, but spirit continues to not give me another pair of shoes. (laughs) So it's not a problem, but it's because it really isn't, but it, um, is weird. And I've been going through the same thing. And I think even though you've been in this for over a year, I, I kind of do think that this especially unfolding right now is sort of a part of the medicine of hangman. And we are in a hangman year in 2019. And I really think that it's kind of like more than anything, we have to let cycles complete themselves. Just like if we're on an antibiotic, we want to take the full course of that antibiotic. And it sounds to me like you are completing something and that even though those shoes might be too small, that you're still clearing something out because the moon is, it it is a time of unknowns, but it's also a time when we're kind of moving with the tides, but it's at night, so we can't see it. Um, And Hermit Reversed indicates, as I'm sure you understand, that we might be like pushing um, and moving or like... um, kind of in a moment of perhaps moving before we are ready or before the universe is ready to guide us. So my hunch is that you're clearing something out. And my intuition, I'm getting some hits today, which I don't usually do. So you can take this or leave it. My intuition is to invite you to think about whether there's anything in your life other than your job that you have to clear out is there relationships is can you clear some space in your apartment or home um is there something that you want to learn about that can be supplemented while you're at this shitty job what exactly are also you looking for um I have found that when I've been where you are, because I have, um, because even what I'm in right now is not the same as what you're in. I remember those days in my 20s and my early 30s, and they were fucking brutal, um, that sometimes it helped me to connect with how, um, not necessarily what I wanted to do, but how I wanted to feel every day, which is tricky because feelings aren't facts, but we can have an overall sense of like nourishment, abundance, satisfaction, like words like that, maybe even just safety. Um, What would light you up beyond your job? Like what would be exciting for you? What do you want to call in? And what are you completing in this situation, I would really look at this. These are big cards to get about this situation. So I would really look at kind of the full unfolding of the cycle you're in, what's what's wanting to leave and what's being kind of germinated right now. And I would ask your deck questions that are more proactive about why you're still at your job. So you can ask questions like, um, you can go to your deck and be like, well, I feel like I'm fucking ready to leave my job, but I'm, uh, I'm here. So there's obviously still more for me to understand. Um, what is this job teaching me? What is this experience teaching me? How am I being invited to, um, expand and, uh, grow out of this job? 
Like, you know, because it sounds like you're sort of in between two worlds right now of knowing that you're done with your shoes, but not having your shoes ready yet, your new shoes. Um, I don't know if you can shift into a relaxed space of trusting the universe. And that's not to make you feel hopeless at all. It's just simply to be realistic that it's okay if you don't trust the universe. That's part of why, I know, you, I know you want to, but sometimes we need to be really in our grief and angry at God for a bit. Sometimes we need to go to the deck and ask the same question five times a day every day to be like, can you please tell me why I had to fucking go through that? And continuing to try to understand a little bit more of why we're continuing to be in a space that does not feel comfortable. That um, feels to me like if you can let yourself off the hook for trusting, then that would be great for you, I think, because I don't know that you have to trust. I think that it's more about how can I be available to the joy that might be in my life beyond this job? Or what am I, or let me think about this because it's okay if you don't feel joyful and I don't want you to encourage, I don't want to encourage you to like access joy if you're not feeling that, like you have a right to be in a, I think what I'm trying to say is that you kind of have a right to be in the, in a funk about this and that this is one of those situations where, um, you're, you're obviously to me cooking in an oven, Bailey, like you're, you're, you're forming, like your cookies are coming together a little bit. So it's important sometimes to not take the cookies out of the oven before they're fully baked. And the key for you is to figure out why and why they're still baking. Like, what is it that, why is your, why are you still there? Basically, like what is happening at this job that is providing a platform for you to maybe know your worth to maybe, um, clarify where it is that you'd like to go after this job. Um, and I don't think you have to push. I just think you can reaffirm every single day. I am ready and available to allow my external to match my internal. I am ready to get out of here whenever you want to take me. I'm ready. And then ask yourself, what is it that you'd really like? You know, what is it? Where would you like to go? So those are just some little things. Um, and you can totally be in the stillness of surrender while being proactive at the same time, because I'm pretty sure that the reason that you're being kind of paused is so you can do some work on yourself and so that you can get clear on something. I'm not sure, like I could be dead ass wrong, but that's kind of a way to balance the stillness and the proactivity is to say, okay, I'm, if I can't do anything externally, I'm going to turn that focus on myself and see where I can nourish myself and find joy in this, even though it does not feel very good right now. I hope that helps. Anonymous asks, how do you feel about tarot deck apps, apps that let you pull spreads or single cards on your phone? This keeps coming up for me because most of the day I'm not in a place where I can pull out a tarot deck and check in. I'm still working on my stability, stability and often I'm triggered or emotionally volatile at work where even on my breaks, tarot would not be an option for me as it is not a witch-friendly place. Sometimes I'll lock myself in the bathroom and pull a virtual tarot card. Sometimes I feel like I connect with that card, but sometimes I don't. And I'm wondering if that's just a negative side effect of it being an app and not a physical deck. I have two physical decks at home that I use extensively for trauma work but often only get used on the weekends due to my schedule. I worry that I'm not creating a good enough anchor bond with my decks. Maybe that's why I don't connect, but maybe that's why sometimes I don't connect. And I go back and forth on whether a virtual deck is a real deck. Maybe when I'm beside myself and can't do anything else, I'll use it. But then I second guess myself due to a mixture of brain chemistry and severe PTSD. Anytime I'm not in the safety of my own home, I'm highly likely to be dealing with anxiety, panic, depression, but I have to work so I don't lose that home safety. So I know I'll need some way to cope when I'm not at home. I just want to know if you have any insight on virtual decks, especially in conjunction with trauma practice. Oh, anonymous. I love you. I've, I've been where you are like, fuck it's for years. I was where you are. Um, to having fucking PTSD and being in a culture that makes us work like dogs, even though having work is such a privilege and a blessing, 
um, that makes us work in this way and doesn't give us the freedom to be people, to allow us to be people that can do our jobs more effectively, um, just sucks. And I'm really seeing you in complete and total solidarity. Um, oh my God, tarot deck apps are wonderful. Use them. Don't let your brain get in there and be like, this isn't real. It's totally fucking real. If you saw a lover's card on the street, you would be like, that's for me. Same thing with a tarot deck app. It's all good. As long as you're dropping in and as long as you're saying, you know, I I need support right now. How can I step into that? I promise you, you're going to get what you need. Even if it's on an app and an algorithm, doesn't matter. Spirit is bigger than an algorithm (laughs) or an app and can come through anything, 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 anything. Um, Absolutely trust that. Any way that we can get tarot nourishment is a good way. And tarot deck apps are incredible for that. And I hear you on not always resonating with stuff, but I'll tell you, when I pulled from a from my physical deck sometimes in the moments, in those moments, I would not immediately understand it. So really be willing to um, and and I also really want to say this too. I promise you, you're creating a good enough anchor bond with your deck. I promise you. I promise you, um, with everything in me (laughs) that you are and that you can do it with your app too. It's really okay. I promise. Um, but I also want to empower you and I'm, you know, I'm hearing you on what you're saying about really not feeling like you absolutely cannot bring your deck into work, but I will tell you something that I have pulled cards for myself in a bathroom stall more times than I can tell you being at a place of business that felt very triggering for me. And I want to also encourage you, like, don't be afraid to put a deck, a small deck or your deck or a copy of your deck, physical deck in like a handbag. And when you go to the bathroom, take that handbag with you and pull a card. There's absolutely no reason that there's no like just in case you need to hear this anonymous, like there's no like sanctity with decks. Like we're, we can bring them into the bathroom, <laughs> you know, like that's kind of what they're there for. So, um, but, but I hear you that this does not sound like a safe and inclusive and accepting place. And if it would bring in more anxiety to potentially like have a card fall, like get caught, I, I totally hear that, but just don't be afraid. Um, basically I'm coming from a place of like, fuck them. Like you bring in the medicine you need and take whatever privacy you can in the bathroom to have a kind of a sacred space to be able to say, even if, you know, you need to, it's like two minutes to be able to put that deck next to your heart and just be like, you know, and just have that come out. Um, the other thing that I have no idea why I got for you, but have you, I'm wondering if you've ever considered, okay, so I want to kind of complete with that, which is just to say that um, if you need to kind of like craft a way to get a physical deck into your workspace, I feel like you could do it. But if you don't want to do it, and even if you did want to do it, tarot deck apps are super fucking valid and worthy and just as valid and worthy as any deck. I promise you a physical deck. Uh, They'll work with you in the exact same way. But the other thing that I want to say for you um, and for anybody else listening to this is that it can be helpful sometimes to create your own kind of oracle deck. So if you need to hear basically from a card, you are safe, I encourage you to create little flashcards and you don't need to have any kind of imagery on them. If you don't want to, you can just write words And you can put them like in the back of a drawer at work and like stick your hand in a drawer and be like, what do I, you know, what do I need in this moment? And you can pull out a little flashcard. I feel like there's got to be, I trust that you're doing all you can. It's not you, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm like a sneaky peeky like that. And even when I worked in places like that, I always was able to like have something in there that felt like it was mine. So I'm not sure what your desk looks like or if that's an option for you, but I would say starting to cultivate ways for you to bring in the tools that speak to you, even if you have to hide it in some kind of like 
like nice leather handbag or like a little pouch or something where nobody would know that there was a tarot deck in there and kind of taking it into a space where it makes sense to you. And, you know, you can again, like pull in the bathroom that works, but tarot deck apps are fucking sacred and like, do not sweat that. You can definitely get just as powerful of a read on there. And I promise you, you're creating beautiful bonds with your deck. So don't worry about that. I'm going to be thinking about you. Wishing you luck. Um, Angela asks, I'm fairly new to reading and have recently found myself reading for others. I'm sensitive to people's energy and after a reading, I feel a bit drained or a shift in my mood. I pray for protection and everything before my readings, but still find myself trying to get back to quote normal me. I feel like I need to learn to shed the energy of those I read for. Am I crazy or is this something that happens? Angela, you're totally not crazy. It is something that happens, but it doesn't have to happen. So I want to uh, invite you into what you can do. And it's a pretty subtle shift, but it's a monumental, will make a monumental change. Okay. What you're feeling is not necessarily your client. It is a call for you to drop in before a reading and create the right boundaries and conditions for yourself. And I, I hear you that you're praying for protection and everything before your readings, but I encourage you to go a little further. Maybe you're doing it, maybe you're not. My apologies if I'm offering you advice that you already know. Um, you don't have to shed the energy that you read of folks that you read for if you're dropping in. Um, but I will say that it is very normal to be tired after your reading. It is very normal to have a shift in your mood after a reading. Um, there are a lot of folks who, when they do readings, are whew, super filled up afterward. Um, oftentimes, that happens with time. Or it can happen at the very beginning of our career where we just have so much pep in our step. Um, what you're saying is super normal to feel a shift in mood or to feel um, a little drained afterward. Um, if that's all you're getting from your readings, that's cool <laughs> because it's a really big energetic exchange and, and you don't need to shed or scrub anybody off of you. It's not them. It's, it's you going in and connecting with all these different realms and being the vessel for all this different information like that, that is completely okay. And you actually, don't necessarily need protection from that. I'm not saying that you can't pray for protection. I think that's beautiful, but from what you're not, it, it's absolutely okay. Your tiredness is not evidence that you caught something that your client had. It's just because you worked really hard and you're tired. It's hard work to do tarot readings and sorry to anybody who feels like, Oh my God, you should feel so good. And so energized, like it's work you know, it is, it's work. We're talking, we're interpreting, we're thinking, we're, into, we're channeling. Um, we're working with other people, having them in our space or on the phone. Like it's, it's hard. It's an investment of time and energy. So your body is responding to that. There are a couple things that I will say for that. The first is find out what helps to tip that back up for you in terms of your body. So remember that the body has to run all this energy through it. And we often go to, and it's so understandable that we would do this, but after big readings, we can often go to a space of like, I have to energetically clear. And I'm not saying that you don't um, at all, Angela, like that's absolutely an important part of the hygiene of it all. But I encourage you to include, if you're not doing already, water, which sounds really basic, but like I drank literally gallons of water when I was a reader and still do today. You can't run all this electricity through the body if you're not really hydrated. So um, having water, having something to eat a little bit after every reading is also really important. And then physical things like taking a walk after a reading can really help and kind of seeing everything that came through in the reading, kind of draining out of the soles of your feet, um, dropping into a squat and kind of doing really deep belly pelvic breaths are really important. Laying down, really stating the intention to clear and thank everything that came, of course, but then re-nourish the body. Like 
I used to have to eat after every reading. And it wasn't a lot of food. It was like, you know, like a taco or something or <laughs> like a taco or a piece of fruit or a little bit of protein. You know, it's really important. Um, sometimes a lot of protein. It's really important to stay nourished. Um, sometimes I would make like an egg or something like that. So it's just about making sure that you get what you need. Um, because it's quite normal to feel what you're feeling. And then in case you don't know, a drop-in is basically after you've heard your client speak to you about what they're looking for, what they're seeking in their time with you, you can close your eyes, go within, which I'm totally hearing that you're doing. But the specific languaging of a drop-in is basically saying in so many words, spirit divine, I'm here to tune in for this person. You can mention them by name. I'm here to call upon my guides, their guides, whoever you work with, Angela, like obviously sub out what I'm saying for what you do. And then saying, I desire to be a vessel for which this energy can come through. And I ask to bring in the counsel of my client and myself to support me in this reading. I ask to keep only what works and to leave only what doesn't. And may the reading be in my highest investment in theirs. And that languaging is such that it creates a filter where we are still available to hold the space for our clients, big, um, the big feelings that they're having. Cause that's the thing as readers, we want to be able to cultivate a way to be with the really big raw feelings that our clients have knowing we can't kind of catch them uh, even as empaths because we can't, it's really okay to let our client be messy, be moody, be anything that they come with as long as they're coming, holding themselves and responsible for themselves. And then on the other hand, stepping into a place where we say, and also I, I am now providing a God guided filtration system so that what wants to come through can, and what is superfluous cannot come in. And that includes the emotional energy of the client so that it can be there, but it doesn't have to seep into us. So a drop-in is really important to be able to clarify kind of what and will we, what we will and will not accept while we are reading for someone and that can really help. But I also want to like really normalize what you're experiencing. Um, it's pretty normal to have what you're having. And sometimes it's kind of like, we just have to do a couple of physical things to bring ourselves back into the body because the body is really the place that holds all that. And uh, that's it. I am so grateful to uh, be with all of you. Thank you so much for listening to Ask Lindsay. Um, this podcast episode was edited by Chase Voorhees. Podcast cover art was created by Chelsea Iris Granger. Um, I am Lindsay Mack <laughs> and I'm the host of this podcast. If you really like it and appreciate the work we're doing, it's all freely offered. And if you want to leave a kind gesture, you can leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps more people to find us. It's really sweet. Um, and no matter what, even if you don't leave a five-star review on iTunes, we're grateful for you. So until that time, until next week, please take care of yourselves. Bye.